0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host Ed Carbajal, and on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed kind of a odd week this week we had uh Lee Daly uh talk about his uh, book on the history of pride fighting championship on Sunday morning and now uh we got a little show going here on uh, Wednesday night how you doing
1: i'm good i'm good actually uh and we'll we'll have uh, for our audio subscribers we'll also have a bonus interview with uh MMA Pro League president Mark Taffet, who's uh they're launching their inaugural event on uh here on the east coast in New Jersey in Atlantic City September 15th so anybody that subscribes to the audio version of this will uh will uh get to hear that i'll I'll put it up on youtube later too but tonight it'll be up on uh it'll be up on the podcast along with this
0: i'm sure you'll get to most of the information in the interview um but uh i I know i believe the event uh streams on flow combat and um isn't it it's basically for the fans that that are going to be hanging around for the interview it's basically kind of following the old ifl uh uh way that they did it as far as teams correct
1: well, it is and it isn't. I mean, he, they've got some interesting concepts. It's like they're almost they're almost remixing the idea, um, and we get into that. So I'll leave that for the interview. But uh, it's definitely, um, I want to say it's it's a better idea than the folks at the IFL had. And you'll be surprised, uh, uh, or you probably won't be surprised, to know that uh, one of the minds behind the IFL and Mister Taffet were were friends at the time. And uh, it's one of the things, one of the many things that got him interested in MMA from the world of boxing. So it'll be, it's definitely a a cool interview to listen to. So folks uh, that subscribe, if you haven't, you should, because I definitely got uh, more interested in what they're doing in September than I already was.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing uh, your interview from earlier today. Um, Until then, though, we want to kind of do a little quick review over some of the violence we saw last weekend. Um, The UFC Lincoln card um, pretty much paid off. Uh, Some good fights um, from start to finish. Um, Hard to start a main card off any better than a uh, perfectly timed soccer kick from uh, Eric Anders um, in his victory over Tim Williams.
1: Uh, Yeah. Brutal. brutal. Yeah, that was – I remember when I was watching that because it looked like uh, uh, Anders was losing that for a little while if I'm remembering it right, but, uh, and, and the way that, I mean, because obviously his opponent's wrestling was uh, a problem for him. So it was just weird how, I don't know if it was fatigue or whatever, because the way that, the way that kick landed, it was, I don't know. I couldn't hear it where I was watching it. So I don't know if there's any controversy, if it was considered a down opponent or what, but yeah, I mean, taking the shin straight to the face uh, like that, it's definitely uh, not, doesn't make for a good night. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I watched it. He, he definitely lost the first round. Um, I mean, I never saw the cards come out, so who knows how the judges had it. Um, kind of by what we saw later that night, but it, it, I mean, in my opinion, he, he lost the first round, uh, pretty decisively. Um, he came into the fight, I believe a 12 to one favorite, um, at minus 1200, which was kind of shocking. And then, uh, but he kind of, he turned the tables in the second round and, and then obviously finished it with the, with the brutal head kick. Um, They were going by the new unified rules. So he did have his fingertips on the ground with one hand uh, when the, when the kick landed, but because he didn't have both hands completely on the ground, um, the three points allowed it to be legal. Um, And it would have taken a review. I mean, it was a a millisecond uh, of time where his fingers were on the ground. So it was perfectly executed um, and and devastatingly violent finish. Um, we saw another one of those uh, not too long later in uh, a fight between Brian Barberina and um, the now retired Jake Ellenberger, um, a long time fighter who has wins over, um, you know, everybody in the sport going back to guys like Pele Landy Johns, who I believe yeah. is in about eight seconds. Um, you know, was weird. Fighter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but what was weird about that, I just wanted to share it because, the person I was watching with, uh, we were talking the, the fight game, and we were talking about Jake Ellenberg at the beginning of the fight. And I said to him, I said, I, ho- I said, if he loses this one, he might want to think about hanging it up. And obviously, that's what happened. So it was just crazy.
0: Yeah, I think he was kind of... Uh... You know, I think he'd been kind of, I figured his next loss would be the time he'd, ha- he'd hang it up. Um, hasn't been going well for him a lot lately. Um, you know, just glancing at his career though, you know, I mentioned, uh, Pele, he's got wins over Mike Pyle, wins over Jake Shields, Diego Sanchez, Jay Haran, uh, Nate Marcourt, Josh Koscheck, Matt Brown, um, been in there with every Ben Sanders, Mike Perry, uh, Jorge Masvidal. But, um, this was his fifth fight in a, in a row that he had lost. So it it was clearly time for him to, to hang it up and, and move on. But, um, you know, as somebody who's watched the sport as, as long as I have, and I know you have, uh, you know, the guy left it in the cage and, and was one of the true warriors of, of MMA. So wish him all the best. And, um, you know, if his retirement stays, I, I hope that's what he wants to do. And, in a couple years he chooses to uh, make a return in the UFC or Bellator, then be there to watch his fight again. So, um, but yeah, uh, Bob arena first round devastating knockout, you know, uh, just kind of the younger, stronger fighter. And, um, I think it was a passing into the torch there as, as yeah. far as uh, Jake Ellenberger goes. That was, uh, that was followed by Courtney Casey beating uh, Angela Hill by a split decision. Um, I know you had mentioned you didn't catch a whole lot of that fight. I thought Angela Hill won the fight. Uh, most of the the people I saw online thought she won a close fight um, was actually a very, very entertaining fight, a female uh, strawweight fight. Um, a lot of punches thrown uh, a little bit of blood. So, you know, I think Angela Hill kind of took, took it in the chin in that one. Um, and that kind of happened for me also in the co-main event. Uh, Michael Johnson defeated Andre Feely. Yeah. Um, the same thing by split decision. And, Um, I had, uh, I had, I thought Feely outworked him and should have got the decision as well, but that was a much closer fight and, uh, not really a robbery anyway, just, just had it going the other way. Um, then that brings us to the much hyped main event of that night. Uh, Oh yeah. Justin Gagey versus James Vick. Uh,
1: so, uh, you know, what's weird about that fight is just like, obviously, I mean, we, we were both, when we both did our predictions for them, obviously we were like. We, were, we kind of sided with Vic because of the, the way Gaethje's fighting style and everything, but then it's like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I know I've been talking to you about that go face-off uh, social challenge thing. I picked Gaethje to win on that, and obviously <laughs> because my heart and and having followed him from World Series of Fighting, like like I said when we spoke about it, I'm just like, it's hard to pick against Gaethje even, even though he racked up those losses. And uh, that win, especially winning that way, kind of reminded us like you know that's one kind of like dan henderson as long as he lasts in his career it's like one of those guys you can't really count out because usually when you when you think it's going to be a wash is when he surprises you and gaethje did that on uh on saturday night
0: yeah he definitely did um for those that didn't see it was a devastating uh you know one punch knockout with a follow-up punch on the ground uh minute 27 into round one
1: bad too
0: I mean, just as brutal of a punch as you'll, you'll see in this sport.
1: Did you see when he tried to talk to him afterwards that, that he thought they were still fighting and he went to take him down? I don't know if you yeah, saw Yeah, off that. the stool. I caught yeah. a minute
0: of it and, and Paul Felder, uh, doing the play by play, uh, mentioned that there was some, uh, extra stuff going on. They kind of cut the cameras to show the, reading,
1: yeah, but, yeah.
0: You know, um, Yeah, I mean, after watching the fight, I mean, Vic came into that with one professional loss. He also uh, lost on the Ultimate Fighter by knockout, but his only other loss was uh, by by KO Punch um, to, uh, gosh, name slips my mind, but I have him on. Oh, uh, Darush, uh, Benil Darush uh, KO'd him um, previously. And it kind of, you know, it seems like he's kind of got the Stefan Struve disease where he really doesn't have any idea how to use his height. You know, he keeps his... (laughs) Yeah. You, know, you yeah. know, initially he started off well using the kicks and kind of had, you know, I know the final only a minute and a half, but for the first 45 seconds or so, he used some, uh, some push kicks and kind of was keeping Gagey at distance. And then, you know, when Gagey finally got inside, he just kind of put his chin high up in the air and made it easy for a big sky hook cable <laughs> punch. Yeah. You know, so it kind of reminded me of Struve a little bit about, you know, a guy who's just so much taller than everybody in his weight class.
1: Um, I mean, but I still have to say, I mean, even, and Ray Seffel said it, I mean, I know Chael Sonna interviewed uh, Justin Gaethje years ago and said it to him. It, it's like his style, his style of fighting doesn't make for a long career, but it, God damn it, if you don't want to watch him every time he fights, you know what I mean? I mean, he even said, he's like, I don't back up. I don't run away. He, I mean, even when that, there was a point when they were fighting, and he was moved back by a a, a a teep kick, which was almost like a front snap kick or whatever, that backed Gaethje up. And he literally just, it was like a zombie. Like he took the step back because of the force of the kick moved him back and he almost stumbled. But then he just walked right back in to take more. And it's like, I mean, I, it's just weird because Eddie Alvarez said, guys that fight him like that, it usually it's usually bad for his opponent. And obviously he lost to Alvarez, but Alvarez, you know, wasn't, exactly uh you know uh without a mark on him either at the end of that fight it's just something it's like the guys the guys what is he the four bonuses now or something like that i forget what bonus he
0: he he's had had four fights but in one fight he got two bonuses so he actually has more bonuses than fights now yeah he's made made a quarter million dollars in in just fight bonuses in his in his fights so
1: and now and now and now i can't into, and who else wants to fight? Oh, Kevin Lee and I. Kenta, I think those are the names that are being thrown around, right?
0: Yeah, those are kind of the only guys that are there. Um, everybody else is pretty much booked. Um, you know, especially we were going to talk about the uh, addition of UFC 229 of uh, Anthony Pettis and uh, oh yeah, and uh, Ferguson, Tony Ferguson. Um, so that I mean, there's just not a lot of other guys there, barring you know, like a rematch with somebody like Eddie Alvarez or something like that, but. You know, that wouldn't be good for probably either one of their health at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Barboza's there. Barboza would be a good fight. And yeah. A good fight for Gaethje. I, think, I think I saw
1: that thrown around, too.
0: But that, in my opinion, that would probably be a bad fight for uh, Barboza's health after the, the beatings he's took in his last two fights from Kevin Lee. and, and
1: Yeah. And but you never he, know, man. We were saying the same thing about Gaethje, and look what he did. I mean, he, he threw that punch from hell and, and, and put James Vick right back to, uh, you know, who, who the fuck is that guy's status?
0: Correct. But you're not going to, if you fight Justin Gagey, you're going to either win by knockout or you're going to get knocked out, you know? And I don't know if, you know, it's the UFC guys can't really hide, but you yeah. know, the amount of punches Barboza's taken from, from that he took from Khabib and then followed up by Kevin Lee. I mean, he probably got hit with 700 punches combined in those two fights. And, you know, I don't know. It's not if I was if I'm Barbosa's family. Justin Gage is nobody I want to see in his next fight. You know, yeah, um, for yeah. for his livelihood. But um, but what do you? You know, we'll obviously talk more as it gets closer. But uh, what's your opinion on Pettis and Ferguson?
1: It's weird. I, I haven't seen it up. Like uh, I haven't even thought about it because I, I I've seen a lot of training footage. I know Ferguson is all re- ready to go. But, you know, injuries, injuries linger, things happen. I mean, I, I he seems like a very strong minded, like a mind over matter type of guy. And and I know he's doing all the flips on the air on the Swedish balls and all that shit that we're seeing online. But um, <laughs> I didn't mean to curse. It's late for me over here in Jersey. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I I'm going to side with him still, though. I think, I think Ferguson, I think he's just, his training methods are unique and um, he's definitely look got something to prove. Pettis is questionable sometimes with his fighting. I know he's been winning lately, but um, and he said he's meant I, I I saw something today where he said he's uh more mentally stable. Uh, I don't know what that means. I know he had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life with the with the attacks on his on his vehicles and stuff that happened not that long ago. But I I just think uh I think I that body type that endomorph body type that Ferguson has. I just think that makes for a hard fight for anybody whether they're coming off an injury or not. And uh, I mean, he's not moving like he's concerned about his knee. So I guess he's ready to go. I'm, I'm going to go with Ferguson.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I got to pick Ferguson. Um, it is a s- severe injuries coming off of. Um, I know Pettis has good kicks, so I'm wondering what happens and what the reaction is if, if Pettis comes out throwing some kicks at the, at the knee of, of, ferguson or even one of his straight kicks to the to the front of the knee um which is you know kind of the john jones kick
1: Um, yeah
0: you know i mean that would be my strategy whether you think it's kind of cheap or not i would definitely attack the leg um right off the bat now with that said pettis's weakness historically has kind of been his wrestling um so i don't know if he wants to open himself too much up to a possible takedown Mm -hmm. from ferguson Um, and
1: even still ferguson off his back i mean even even if pettis tries to you know uh, enforce the, the ground he's he's so dangerous I mean like I said that body type those lanky wiry guys that's why Ferguson I forget how many dars win, choke wins he has but that body type it's made to submit you it's made to constrict around you they're like snake snake people you know him and John Jones you know guys that are built like that they, they, they can especially with with uh I saw a training footage of him of how he likes to set up the dars from various positions. And uh, it's just his body type that makes it such a quick go-to for him that uh, I, could, I honestly see him submitting Pettis that way out of anywhere, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah I suppose. If he's going to do it, it would, be, it would be something like that. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I see a submission. I, I, I see if it goes to the ground, I potentially see Ferguson just kind of controlling the fight and, and kind of beating him up um kind of like the Barboza fight where it was a back and forth fight yeah. but i just don't know if i see the finish uh Pettis has, has improved his submission game and i mean he just uh finished off kso with a uh with a triangle um at UFC uh 226 in, mm-hmm. in July um i it's one of those fights i'd like to see it stay standing i think if it stays standing uh we you know we kind of could get an idea of i mean i can't remember you know, the last time I really remember Ferguson really standing and banging was against Lando. Yeah. Uh, Benetta, and and he had some issues in that fight. I know that was. He did. He did. Yeah. Ago, that was three years ago or so, but, uh, or maybe more, but that, that was when he had trouble from then. I, it seems like he's just kind of taken down his guys, Kevin Lee, uh, Barboza, you know, everybody else he's fought just kind of mauled him and submitted him on the ground. So curious to see how that fight goes. Um, but that's, again, that's not till October 6th. Uh, we're still waiting on the main event for uh, UFC New York 2:30, uh, which is starting to get me a little bit concerned at this point. I'm not
1: sure <laughs> you. I'm the one here. Like I'm fig- trying to figure out what are we going to do when you get here.
0: Well, the card right <laughs> now is loaded. Um,
1: yeah, uh, as as, I know.
0: As far as the main card, um, I just don't see Poirier uh, Diaz being able to carry a main event. I mean, it's a main event style fight. Um, the UFC would have to be smoking crack, in my opinion, to uh, to put it on Diaz' shoulders with the New York Athletic Commission. I think that that would be a, a potential, you know, if you test positive for marijuana three days before the fight, you know, uh, it just too much could happen. I, I you know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, you make a good point. I mean, it's definitely it's, it's like, you know, the the leaves are changing colors around here. Like you guys got to make an announcement soon.
0: You know, um, I, I think they're holding out. I keep hearing rumors about John Jones, which me I, it shocks me that he would get less than a two-year suspension based off his history. But I also don't expect the UFC to to hold out um, unless that they kind of know some inside information, obviously, from, from Usada.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Usada's track record over the summer as of late has not been that great either. So maybe they're trying to do some damage control and pull back on their... Uh you know, whatever they, they laid down when they laid down the hammer back way back when. So who knows what's going on with that, but I I don't know. I don't know.
0: I, I, you know, I wonder if it's, you know, I wonder what fight they would make. Would it be John Jones versus Cormier for the heavyweight title? Does Cormier, would Cormier take that fight at heavyweight with the winner, basically then getting Brock Lesnar and say February, or do they do like a John Jones Gustafson interim title, or do they just not have a title fight
1: uh, it's got to be something paper big. Paper. It's 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 the garden. It's got to be something big. They can't do no uh, interim nonsense. They got to do something big. It's got to be Jones Cormier or 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 I would like I said I think I said this before in another episode I wouldn't be surprised if if something happened for in Vegas with Khabib and McGregor that that gets pushed back to the next month. I mean you, but, you never know.
0: But that would have to happen quickly. I, yeah. And again, I pointed out that pettis Ferguson is not going to. Fans are going to re- return their tickets hand over fist if they paid a thousand dollars for a ticket from McGregor and, uh, Khabib, and that fight gets canceled. In Nevada, you're allowed refunds if the main event gets canceled.
1: Yeah, no, so, here you know,
0: too. You know, and also in New York, tickets for New York are going to have. They they just announced that next week tickets go on sale for the Denver event the following week. So mm. we're two months out the if, if they go ahead with Poirier Diaz as a main event, I don't think you can have a top ticket price over 400 bucks. I mean, you basically have a, a, a loaded Fox card at that point. Um, hmm. And I don't know if that ticket price is enough to carry the uh, the rental fee for MSG. Everything I've heard is it's so expensive. So I expect yeah. them to have to have a big main event to push that ex, you know, that $800, $1,000 floor, floor seat, um, you know. Uh, someone who's going to it and we've talked about this, you know, with the way the card is right now, if the card held, I would be happy with honestly, just having like TJ Dillashaw versus uh, Marias. Um, you know, as a title fight, if they're just looking for a title fight and kind of promote the card as a whole with Rockholt, uh, Weidman, uh, Jacare, uh Adesanya, Brunson, you know, it's it's a pretty loaded main card right now. If you have, you know, even if you had Rose Nami Yunus uh, uh, defending her belt, if you if you kind of promoted it like an old school like UFC uh gosh, I think it was like 77 or something like that where they used to kind of promote the whole card and everybody's face was on the poster and you just kind of look pr- you know, promoted it as a big event as opposed to one big fight. Um, I think they could get away with that, but, um, you know, I don't know, obviously Jones Cormier at heavyweight, I find intriguing. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. like you said, you, you said no interim, but I could see an interim fight between Jones and Gustafson being a big enough rematch, or mm-hmm. even if it's an interim tag, um,
1: I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we just got to wait and see, man. I mean, it's it's a lot to it's a lot to speculate and uh I mean, the stuff I hear behind the scenes that the UFC is doing to try to garner interest, it's 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 a weird time in MMA, especially in the, for that promotion. So, uh I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but you make a really good point, man. It's it's a little too close. It's a little too close to not have a, a made an announcement already.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I expect tickets to go on sale in the next day. You can't. It's got to be within the next two weeks that they announce a ticket date. There's no way you can go six weeks in, and you're not going to get a huge fight. I don't think signed six weeks in, no. um, and and Cormier's not dropping down to light heavyweight in time uh, for that fight. Um, so who knows? There's just not a lot of names available right now. Uh, you know, one of the other possible options was was Ortega and Holloway, and they uh, they actually announced that for December, uh, November, early November probably would have been a little dangerous still for max. So that extra 30 days or 35 days or whatever it is, is probably a good thing for him. Um, But uh, like you said, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully we have news next week on our show about that fight. Yeah. Um, This weekend, not a ton of big main, big event action. Uh, No Bellator, no UFC event Uh, tomorrow night on uh, NBC sports network. um, The, uh, and then on uh, professional fighters league, uh, Facebook fights go on live at uh, 5.45 uh, Eastern time. And then it goes live at nine uh, o'clock Eastern time on NBC sports network uh, with uh, PFL seven. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then Saturday, um, I mean, there's fights, there's some uh, M one or uh, uh, some
1: cage um, warriors as on early in the day. And then there's uh Saturday nights Invicta FC 31.
0: Yeah, so. exactly. Cage warriors on fight pass at, uh, uh, prelims are, uh, well the prelims are on Facebook but the main card starts at 4 o'clock Eastern and on Fight Pass and that's followed on Fight Pass at 5 o'clock or on 8 o'clock Eastern, I'm sorry uh, with Invicta, so got some action on Saturday Um, until then though we'll have to uh, wait and see what gets announced and where we're at for next week's show Um, but everybody stick around for for Ed's interview Um, and uh, I look forward to listening to it myself
1: Yep, it'll be uh once again it'll be Mark Taffet, uh president of the MMA Pro League. So stick around for that, and thanks for listening.
0: Again, everybody can follow us on at Combat Hour on Twitter. My uh, myself at MMA Hawk twenty one on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow Ed at Carbizol on Twitter. And do you want to give out your in- new Instagram uh, handle?
1: Uh, it's Beer, Z E L. Yeah, I, fr- I forgot I made that. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we got an extra handle where we can be
0: uh, contacted with. Um, also, if anybody's interested in getting directly a hold of us, you can uh, email us, um, uh, coast2coastcombat at gmail.com. So hit us up if uh, you're interested in being a guest or if you know anybody that would be interested in being a guest on the show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and stay tuned for the interview.
1: Cool. <laughs> all right sir thanks uh thanks again I'll, I'll use this on the east coast version of the the coast to coast uh podcast but um uh, mark at mma pro league president um thank you so much for taking the time to talk uh about the uh upcoming event that you're going to have the inaugural event in atlantic city um i guess my first question would be uh someone coming from the boxing world what drew you to mixed martial arts yeah very interesting because i worked
2: 32 years at HBO and 25 years at uh, HBO Sports on each on the boxing matches for HBO pay-per-view. And while I was at HBO, I went to an MMA match, uh, courtesy of a very dear friend for many years, Mark Ratner, who took me to one of his UFC matches. And I couldn't help but notice that we got there for the very first Fight that opened the night. Mark said, You got to come early and see this. And from the very first bell of the very first fight to the last bell of the final fight, the arena was packed. The fans were cheering. They were very passionate. They loved all the fighters and all the fights on the card. The action was fast moving. Uh, You got to see a lot of different fights and fighters and styles the same night. And uh, it was a heck of a night, I have to say. I was incredibly impressed, and I immediately became a fan. I was actually a little bit jealous of uh, how fun an event it was in person compared to some of the fights I'd been to. So I went to a few more matches, and I found out, you know what, it wasn't a novelty. I actually enjoyed it, was becoming a fan. So when I left HBO in 2015, after 32 years... One of the things I did was hook up with an old buddy of mine, a long time buddy, he's a young man actually, named Hani Darwish. And we spoke a few times, and we very quickly forged uh, a bond and a partnership to pursue MMA Pro League. It's uh, something that Hani had been looking at for many years, and he was looking for the right time, the right opportunity, and uh, the right person to work with. And uh, I had known him for about 10 years, and within a few meetings, we were off to the races, putting together the business plan and, and laying the foundation for the MMA Pro League that's going to launch September 15th.
1: That's pretty cool. Do you remember which event it was that you saw? The first MMA event? Do you, do you remember no, who the headline I have
2: to say, I really don't. It wasn't one of the big pay-per-view shows. And I wasn't very familiar with a lot of the athletes at the time. All I remember is uh, that from the first match to the last match, the the place was packed. It was the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Mm. And um, all the fights were of high quality. It wasn't under cards leading to a main event. It was fight after fight after fight of great action. And each fighter had their own large fan base. So there was a lot of passionate cheering every fight. It was great.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you're doing the event in Atlantic City. Um, I'm sure you know that this that Atlantic City uh, and mixed martial arts ha- have a strong history with the sport uh, as it grew in the beginning. You know, when, when everything got regulated and things like that. There's events at the Tropicana, events at uh, Borgata. Um, I was just at the PFL events over at the Ocean Resort, and, and now you're bringing your 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 league to. Uh, to the Hard Rock yeah. in Atlantic City, so I mean, is it, it was a uh, was that on purpose? Well,
2: there definitely were no accidents here, but I'll, I'll tell you how we got there. I'm um, born, bred, and raised in New Jersey. lived there all 61 years of my life, except for a short stint at, at Wharton School when I got my MBA back in 1980 and 81. And we did a lot of fights in Atlantic City when I was at HBO, and I saw uh, the city at its height. In fact, the very first pay-per-view fight I did at HBO pay-per-view was Holyfield versus Foreman in April of 1991 at Trump Plaza when uh, Donald owned the hotel there. And uh, I know it was a great sport town. When I heard about the revitalization of the city coming back, I went with a good friend of mine, Rich Rose, who used to be the president of Caesars Palace Entertainment. And the two of us have for decades been friends and business associates with Bernie Dillon, who's now the head of entertainment for the Hard Rock. And uh, it just took us one conversation to uh, agree that it would be a wonderful reunion of sorts and a a great uh, addition to the Hard Rock's portfolio and the revitalization of the city. And for MMA Pro League, it's a dream come true. A brand like the Hard Rock, a great demo, great hotel, tremendous uh, history and legacy back to a big city where they're going to do a lot of marketing and promotion to launch their property and establish themselves at the beachhead of Atlantic City in, in, the, in the U.S. entertainment landscape. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful idea. We like the idea of, in our first phase of matches, doing all of them at the same site. Because it becomes command central for MMA Pro League.
1: Hmm. It's a
2: lot easier to build momentum and build uh, publicity and noise emanating from a hub. I learned that in my years in boxing. And it's a lot less efficient to go city to city if you're trying to make an entree into a marketplace. So our introductory phase will be a series of matches at the beautiful new Hard Rock Hotel in Atlantic City. We... uh, We'll launch our first full season uh, in the spring of 2019. And at that point, we'll have venues for every team uh, in the cities in which they're launched. There'll be eight teams when we launch our first full season. Four East Division teams, four West Division teams. It'll be a 12- to 14-week regular season, followed by a four- to six-week playoff, semifinals and finals. And um, but right now, for this introductory phase... Hard Rock is a great place to be, and I hope it's some place we can be with our New Jersey or Philadelphia team once we launch our first full season next year.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. I mean, um, uh, speaking of the venue, so many, so many acts and things were booked there. I think uh, they tried to. They opened a, a earlier than than announced. I forget what happened early in the summer, but I know you guys were originally booked for July. Is it because everybody's trying to, to book in the in uh, events in there that you guys had to shuffle the date? Because I know you were, It was originally for July, and now we're we're in September.
2: Yeah. Well, there's an old phrase that someone coined that says uh, you only get to launch once. Mm-hmm. And we um, saw a great opportunity to launch, but it really wasn't uh, particular to us, whether we went in July, August, or September, we were in the midst of negotiating some sponsor deals and a streaming deal, which we ended up doing with Flow Combat. Yeah. And as those deals came together, it became evident to us and the Hard Rock that the most impactful launch would be when all the puzzle pieces were together. So we all talked and all the, you know, the partners agreed that September would be a great time, the calendar was, was clear, Hard Rock had the date, and we, we all are able to put all of our resources together and put our best foot forward on September 15th, so it was actually a very easy decision for us to move back. As I said, you only get to go first once, yeah. and um, for us, we wanted to do the best circumstances possible for the fans, the fighters, and for our venue and all of our
1: yeah, I saw the uh, the announcement. I mean, obviously, it came after the the original date, so obviously, it was the right move to make because you have this, the the uh, jab apparel and uh, Everlast and all the other uh, announcements that came out with the last press release I saw. Yeah. Um, one of the things you mentioned about your relationship with Hani Darwish, the CEO, I know he's uh, he's trained himself. I think he trains at Hensel's in New York, um, and you said you've known him for a while, so. W- did, how often did the MMA come up as a conversation before it became an idea to, say, to go into business together?
2: Well, I'll tell you, honey. used to be a boxing promoter before he worked in
0: MMA. Oh.
2: But he has, personally, he has a love of MMA. He's practiced the sport for decades. He's managed, trained, uh, you know, over the last few years, promoted um, a number of events in, on the East Coast. He's got a black belt, Penzo Gracie. He's incredibly passionate about the sport, and he um, he knows all the fighters, managers, trainers, coaches, gyms. Um, it's just second nature. He lives it and breathes it, and he, and he loves it every second.
1: Yeah. But I knew him as a boxing promoter,
2: and uh, I saw him a number of times at HBO. He was in our offices talking to my colleague, Lou Bella, a number of times. He had a fighter, Omar Sheik, in the 168-pound division. Yeah. They to be was interested at one point in time. He did some work with David Reed, but as I watched him, because he's also a fellow Jersey resident, I saw a lot of publicity and promotion for him doing MMA, and you know the time, the parallels just uh, came together and intersected at the same time and at the right time. And literally, it took us about an hour of discussion to realize quickly that. Made sense for us to work together and we were very excited. Our backgrounds and skills complement one another tremendously. We have very similar principles and values, yet we're very different people with very
1: different skill sets and strengths. So it's really a perfect matchup for a partnership. That's great. I mean, um, definitely the mutual interest. And I didn't know that about his boxing background. Um, the one thing uh, I wanted to ask you obviously, you've been called a pioneer of the pay per view. Model for for boxing with your time at HBO, and I know now you're doing the uh, you did the par- the streaming partnership with Flow Combat. Um, given your your experience with with helping boost pay per view and boxing and how how people watched fights back then, with with the MMA Pro League, are you looking to repeat history and and jump into the streaming uh, options, with uh, with your unique formula of uh, combat? Yeah, you know
2: that's that's really uh, observant and insightful of I loved being at HBO Pay-Per-View in the early days. I worked through about four or five technology generations. Analog to digital cable, standard definition to high definition television, cable distribution to satellite and telco distribution, the uh, introduction and onset of the digital age, the internet, and then social media. So technology is something I've always been a student of and always tried to stay ahead of. Clearly, in today's world, in the midst of another revolution and another change in the way people consume their, their video, the TV is no longer something that people watch with scheduled destination programs in mind. It's simply a video display monitor, just like all their other devices are, their uh, yeah. their phones and their Computers, iPads, whatever they use. Yeah. And for this generation today, they want what they want, when they want it, on any device that's available to them, wherever they are at that moment. And streaming is just the beginning. to in its infancy right now. But clearly, streaming has the potential to fulfill all those needs and desires of the fans. It's no accident that... UFC recently did a deal with ESPN Plus, and Bellator recently did one with DAZN to stream their products. And you know, for us to go to Flow Combat and enter into a streaming agreement, you know, just makes a lot of sense in today's environment.
1: Definitely. Um, So, I I, I don't know if you—I sent you a couple of pieces I I wrote already about uh, your your um, event coming in September had you heard about uh, the international fight league or, or when you came up with the team concept did people t- say this has been done before um did you get any positive feedback negative feedback I, I, did anyone say anything like that to you well very interesting story
2: when i worked at hbo in 2002 we uh... something very historic we worked with showtime together and made a deal on the same, to do an event on uh, Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson for the heavyweight championship of the world it was the first time the two networks agreed to partner on a project. The man I did a lot of the negotiating and then implementation with was Jay Larkin. May he rest in peace, uh, dear dear long time friend of mine. And after he left Showtime, Jay became the head of IFL. Oh, wow. So I actually spoke to Jay I many times about IFL. Uh, he told me, you know, the pluses and the minuses, uh, the advantages and the disadvantages. And we, um, I did, I was a beneficiary of that mission when we started the hardback MMA Pro League. But I have to say, IFL had fighters fighting under the banner of a team on a given night, but that was about the only team mm. they had, you know, in their DNA. The fighters rarely trained together the, um, they, they focused not so much on the, the, the camaraderie because the camaraderie couldn't be built up between the fighters when they didn't, you know, work together and train together like our fighters will be doing. Um, it was a group of individuals who just together, you know, wore a common jersey one night and you know, with the name of a of a city on it or a team. Yeah. In our case, we build our teams to the extensions of the cities and the markets in which they're formed. Our athletes will be in the community. They'll, they'll be involved with uh, schools, with uh, gyms and training programs, with uh, appearances, and, and they'll, you know, they'll be present just like you know, football, baseball, and basketball players are in their communities during the season and very often in the offseason. It's a very important part of them, and they probably to create that connection with the fans, and that is what makes us different from UFC and Bellator, and that's what Allows us to complement those organizations rather than compete with them. We are going to establish a foundation city by city. We think it's going to be the anchor of the next great growth phase in MMA. And uh, you know, there's a lot of history to support that it can work. Our athletes uh, train together on teams as as they grow up. You know, as kids into their adolescent, even and, and adult, beginning of their adult years.
1: Yeah.
2: They develop a camaraderie. And you're going to see on the night of our fights that when uh, a fighter gets in the ring with all of his or her teammates on their shoulders, the fates and the outcomes of those teammates, depending upon every match and every individual fighter in the ring, you're going to see a different level of performance. Um, They will uh, identify with that responsibility and internalize it, and they're not going to let their teammates down. And that's going to... uh, show in the, in the product, and the competition, and the passion, in the live arenas that night and it's going to translate right through the screen into the living rooms across America when they watch us on slow combat. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're very different than the others and very different from the IFL that preceded us. The IFL also spent a lot of time focusing on what I call sensationalist items. Um, other people refer to it as, you know, the, some of the excessive violence that, uh, you know, that happened at the time. It was a different time in MMA. The sport was presented differently. Our focus is going to be on the fact that MMA athletes are some of the best, most highly trained, highly skilled, and best conditioned athletes in the world. And they train in and have expertise in multiple disciplines, unlike any other athletes in the world. MMA today uh, helps young men and young women with self-defense, with self-worth, with anti-bullying and anti-obesity, So many fine values, and we think that this is going to be the dawn of a new era in the sport and and the foundation for the next great phase of expansion. UFC and Bellator did outstanding jobs uh, taking the sport to where it is now. And if we do our job right, everyone in the sport, including those other entities, will benefit. So we're very excited about
1: it. Yeah, I mean, and that's something Daniel Gracie had alluded to in one of the promo videos I saw. I think it's on the YouTube channel. I've I've been trying to keep up with them. You guys have been putting them out. Pretty quickly, but uh, the the team based uh, concept, the way the way people follow sports now, and the way MMA is kind of, I mean, there are people that are getting a little fed up with with uh, the trash talk and the social media stuff, and and it's it's a it might be plateauing like for with the casuals, but like the, the longtime hardcore fans are always, uh, which is a lot of the people that use for the Flow Sports app to watch uh, uh, you know fights on Flow Combat, um, they're looking for something uh, different. Uh, uh, and uh, I think that that's why when I wrote the piece that I wrote, I think uh, I think when the IFL came out, it was too soon for the sport. But it seems like you guys uh, had enough conversations about it and are coming at the um, coming at it a different way at, at the right time when people are now enough people are interested in MMA, and it looks like you guys uh, are, are looking to grab the people that are looking for something new before they get bored again. Does that sound right to you?
2: as though you sat with us in your meetings in the boardrooms. <laughs> your thoughts and your conclusions are exactly the thoughts and conclusions that Honey and I share and, and are the foundation of our, our business plan and our hopes and dreams for MMA Pro League. Absolutely. We think that, as I said, the sport has gone very, very deep down the silo of fans in certain demographics. But Like a letter T, we're now going to make the, the crossbar. And, uh, you know, I, I go to, my partner's gym. He's got a gym. There's a few hundred uh, kids there. As many girls as as boys in those classes. And there's soccer moms out in their SUVs picking up the the, the young boys and girls on weeknights after they do their training. There's something there. There's no doubt about it. It's the right sport at the right time, the right demographics, the right technology, and we're going to listen to the fans and give them what they want and present the sport in a way that uh, everyone will be proud of. And look, we're not going to run after the stars uh, of UFC and Bellator. They've got an incredible machine, both those organizations, presenting superstars uh, in big pay-per-view matches uh, and, and other formats. We are going to create that foundation from the ground up. It's a very different concept, and there's room for both, and both will complement each other. So uh, we think it's just going to be beneficial for the athletes, the fans, and everyone else involved in the sport.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's something. That's one thing that um, that in the piece that I wrote that that a lot of people forget from the days of the IFL, like guys like Roy Nelson fought there. There's a lot of other big names that, that fought there, and and Chris Horodecki, and and had. Uh, you know, greater careers after even even when the IFL was gone. So you're definitely giving a lot of young fighters a great opportunity. And one thing about uh, you guys being on Flow Combat is, and uh, their editorial side where they do their a lot of the, the the news, they they do features on prospects of guy of young guys coming up. So it's definitely something that's good for MMA's future. And um, the one thing I wanted to ask you though, because uh, I know you're releasing the fighter profiles, I saw the Zed Montanez. I saw the Daniel Gracie piece, and, and Hani Darwish is the first video. Is are there any females on, on any of the teams in the in the first event? And if not, are are there any coming in the future?
2: When we launch our first full season next year, there'll be six weight classes per team, five male and one female, and that is we are committed to having that be an integral part of our of our format. I'm, I know I managed Clarissa Shields, the uh, U.S time gold medal winner, best female boxer in the world. And we had her training with Chris Cyborg a number of months ago because oh, yeah. those, are two, yeah, those are two of the baddest ladies on the planet. Yeah, it, it is now time for women's power and women's empowerment. And women will be a part of MMA Pro League. In this first introductory series, in this particular match, we have a goal of having... Uh, at least one women's fight on the card. We haven't finalized the match yet. We're still working on it. We hope that that we'll be able to bring it there. But regardless, our commitment is unwavering. And we will have women leading MMA Pro League, not just participating in it. And like happened in UFC, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the women became the the biggest stars out there because uh, it's their time to shine.
1: Absolutely. And it's definitely a sport where where it seems women succeed f- way faster than in boxing. And I know you coming from boxing, you've probably noticed that too. And there's a, a lot of female boxers that crossed over to MMA that mentioned that as well, like Amanda Serrano, Heather Hardy, uh, Anna Hulaton They've all talked about how, how they, they never get the exposure they would have liked in boxing. And when they came new to MMA, they were already main card featured on a broadcast. So it's definitely yeah, you know, something. part of that is the fact that MMA appeals to a younger demographic Uh and the younger demographic uh, just has a different point of
2: view Um, much more open-minded about about everything in life and society and and politics and and in sport Um, and it is exactly the right time for for women to step forward and um demand equality in sports clarissa's doing it in boxing um Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes and uh, the women that preceded them, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, they did it and demanded it and commanded it in MMA and there'll be many, many more women and we'll be very proud to showcase them, have them lead the way in MMA Pro
1: League when we launch our first full season. That's great. So where, where can we see, like when the co- when we have the the full bout listing and everything, where can folks look it up to see, to see who's fighting who and, and then who's on the teams? Uh, we have... Uh,
2: very active uh, website, MMA Pro League, no spaces, hyphens, MMAproleague.com. We have uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram platforms on social media, all at MMA Pro League or hashtag MMA Pro League. Fans can find, uh, we have a YouTube channel. Fans can go on YouTube and find the MMA Pro League YouTube channel or all of our. Wonderful videos can be seen. We actually, we're very proud. We have two uh, content series being developed right now and, and will be made available every day for the 21
0: days leading into the fight. There'll be new content uh, on all of our platforms and our YouTube channel.
1: Oh, great. We have
2: six-episode series called Inside MMA Pro League, which features the making of the league, um, a lot of Heinz's thoughts and, and ideas about uh, why the league made sense and, and came to fruition at this point in time and how his dream is coming true, and a lot of conversation with the fighters and the coaches about uh, the team concept. We also have a series uh, of fighter profiles. We'll have six to eight of those. Uh, you mentioned a few of them. He Martinez, Cody Hire, a few others. Will be seen in the very near future they're great pieces done by a former colleague of mine from, that I worked with at HBO uh, named Greg Backer his company Foglight TV they do a great job and they're producing wonderful content for us uh, we have some of the best photographers uh, Ed Mulholland Stephanie Trapp Matt Heasley They've done great photo shoots with our teams that are going to create uh, content that fans are going to love, uh, primarily for Instagram, but also on our other platforms. And uh, it's all about content today. Today you, you, you bring it to the fans, you give it to them where they can find it easily, and they will connect to the athletes through that content. So we're very excited.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's great for you to get immediate feedback, too, on, on what you guys are, yeah. are, are doing. So uh, yep. well, one final question before I let you go. Uh, You said you're from New Jersey, Uh, so are you going to be able to be an objective president when Team Pennsylvania and Team New Jersey face each other, or are you already on Team New Jersey?
2: (laughs) You know what? uh, I have two kids. I have three grandkids. I learned uh, life's lessons about uh, you love them all, and you love them all the same, and I don't think it'll be any different with the teams. I'll definitely be objective. And how do you not love Daniel Gracie, his passion, his commitment to the sport, yeah. and the athletes on his team who I've gotten to know personally? Um, there's no way that um, I could, you know, look at Dan Miller's team and the boys, uh, men and women from New Jersey, and favor them in any way. Let me tell you this. Dan Miller and Daniel Gracie, they are kings in the cage and out of the cage. They're the co- We're proud to have men like that coaching our teams. They're not just coaches and former uh, practitioners of the sport. They are mentors. Athletes want to be in the presence of those guys. They set the right stage, and they look out for the interests of, of the men who are who train with them. And that's exactly the kind of figures we want coaching our teams in the MA Pro League. We're proud to have Dan Miller. We're proud to have Daniel Gracie. And may the best team win.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I really appreciate it. It was very informative yeah, for thank me. You. Um, Thank you
2: very much, and look forward to seeing you. Hope to we'll see you in Atlantic City.
1: Yes, sir. Take care. Bye bye.